we've been in the book of Romans. We've come as far as Romans chapter 7, but we're not going to be there this morning. It's, uh, it's New Year's, and uh, I, was pre- I spent most of yesterday preparing Romans chapter 7, so I'm ahead for next week. And last night, as I was kind of uh, praying through the message, I always take Saturday night to kind of pray and reflect and, and just make sure everything's where, where the Lord wants it to be. And, the, and I just wasn't comfortable with, with teaching Romans 7 this morning. And, and usually when I have that feeling of like, there's just something off, the Lord wants to do something different. And uh, this morning, what the Lord put on my heart to share was a little bit about our church, a little bit about who we are, a little bit about why we do what we do, and a little bit about, you know, the scriptures that God has used that, 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 that lead us, that guide us, that, that, that we, we model our church after, if you will. So if you would, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be a couple places this morning, so we'll start in Matthew chapter 28. Every, every business, every church, every organization has uh, a mission statement, if you will. They have a, why, are they, why, are, why do we do what we do? What's, what is our goal? What are we trying to accomplish? And uh, I just want to share with you our mission statement and, and what it is. And it comes out of Matthew chapter 28, verses uh, 19 and 20. Jesus, as he is preparing to leave the apostles... In charge of the church, this is what he says to them in verse 19, chapter Matthew 28, verse 19. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Simply put, the mission of our church, our fellowship, is to make disciples. That's what Jesus gave the the apostles that command, go and make disciples, make disciples. So Rob, why do we exist as a church? We exist to make disciples. That's what we're here for. We're here so as as an organization, as a body of believers, our goal is to make disciples. And it's, it's the idea that Jesus left the apostles with this, but he not only did he tell them what to do, he told them how to do it right here in these verses. See, he said, make disciples, that's the command. I want you guys to go and I want you to make disciples. So the command that he gave them is this make disciples. But he also told them how. He told them what to do. And he told them three things that they must do. Number one, he said they must go. Number two, he said they must baptize. And number three, he said they must teach. So in giving this command to the apostles, the command make disciples. Well, Jesus, how do we do that? He told them, I want you to go. I want you to baptize. And I want you to teach. Now he sends this group of guys out. Now, remember, this is before Pentecost. This is before the Holy Spirit's come upon them. So this group of guys that he's leaving the church in their hands, he's telling them to go. He's the one that's commanding them to go. They're probably not the guys that I would have picked to start a church. I mean, you've got Peter who denied knowing Jesus. He's always kind of putting his foot in his mouth. He's always sort of making a rash judgment, like cutting off a guy's ear or something like that. I mean, that's kind of his background. You've got John. John's the one that wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy the people who wouldn't listen to him. And you've got Thomas, who, well, we all know doubting Thomas. And we could go through the rest of these ordinary men, but the idea is Jesus leaves them in charge, and he tells them to go. He's sending a group who's not perfect, but he's sending them in his power. He's sending them in his strength. It's something that he wants to do through them. We don't go because of who we are. He's not telling us to go because we're anything special. He's not telling us to go because I can do anything special. It's Christ who's sending them. 
They're going in the power of their king. They're going in the power of Christ. When we are called to make disciples as a church and as individuals, we do it because God's called us to. We do it because we're, we're told to. What do we do? We go and we tell people about Jesus, what he's done for us. When he says go, he means this. Go, go do it. Go, go, go share with Christ with people. Share with your friends. Share with your family. But it has to be the Lord that's leading. You see, sometimes we can take this command and we can attach a law to it. And we could say, you've got to share Christ three times a week or you're a bad Christian. Or you've got to go knock on all of your neighbor's doors, and if you don't do that, then you're not building the church. You're a bad Christian. You see, it's Jesus that's sending them. It's Jesus that's empowering them. It's Jesus that's leading them. We don't want to make this legalistic. We want to make this spirit-led. We want to be led by the Lord. If the Lord calls you to knock on doors in your neighborhood and share Christ, go do it. Don't, don't hesitate a minute. But if he, if he doesn't, don't feel like that you, because you hear that somebody else is doing that, that you have to do that to keep up with them. It's not a race. It's what has the Lord called you to do. So our goal, our mission here is to make disciples, and we do that by going. It's real simple. You just share what God's doing in your life. You share what Christ has done for you. You let your life speak for itself. But he also says baptize. Baptize. This is the command of baptizing. He tells the disciples, I want you to baptize people. I don't want you just to lead them to me. I want you to make sure they're baptized. And he's speaking of water baptism here. I want them to be baptized as a believer. When someone comes to Christ, they're called to be baptized. It's a command of God. He's saying, I want you to be baptized. And it's not that baptism saves you because baptism isn't what saves you. Baptism is that outward sign of that inward commitment that says, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. We've been studying in Romans. It's the identification with his death and with his resurrection. You identify with his death when you go down in the water. You identify with his resurrection when you come up out of the water. And lastly, he said, I want you to go. I want you to baptize. And this is the part that's important. It's all important. But he says, I want you to teach. Teach them teach them. You've got to teach them. Disciples are made through teaching is what he's saying. You go, you tell them. Telling them is not enough. I want you to baptize them and I want you to teach them. The content of teaching, what was it? What, do you, what are we supposed to teach them, Jesus? He told them, teach them all that I've showed you, all that I've taught you. Share with them, show them, teach them the things that I've taught you. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Go teach them what, I've, what, I, what you've learned. Teach them what you've learned from me. No, it works the same way in your life. You want to share Christ with somebody, that's great, but teach them what the Bible says. You want to share with your family, teach them what the scripture says. Teach them what you learned in church. Teach them what you're learning through your devotion. Teach them what you're learning on the radio station. Teach them what you're, sh t share with people what God's showing you. That's how you teach them. You see, that's why we teach the Bible the way that we do here. That's why we teach it chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Not that that's the only way. It's called expositional teaching. Because I want to make sure that if you sit here, you're going to get the full counsel of God. And if you sit here long enough, you will have heard the entire Bible taught through. From beginning to end, you will hear every book, every verse, everything will be covered from beginning to end. That's Paul, at the, as he's leaving the, the elders in, in Miletus at the book of Ephesians, he said, I have not failed to teach you the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God from beginning and to end. If you only get a part here and a part there and a part here and, and maybe this book and maybe that book and, well, I don't really like the Old Testament. No, you can't really understand who God is unless you understand the Old Testament. The Old Testament is just as important as the New Testament because it gives us a greater understanding of who God is, why he's done what he's done. That's what we, on Thursday nights, we're going through the Old Testament. But he says, here, here's what Jesus is saying. Guys, I want you to go. 
I want you to baptize, and I want you to teach. They didn't have seminary degrees. They weren't qualified. They didn't have any paper. All they had was time with the Lord. All they had was time with the Savior. And I'm not against Bible college or anything like that. I think it's wonderful. But these guys that he was sending out, he, they weren't able to do what they were called to do until the Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit came upon them, they began teaching and they began sharing what God did, what God's done for them, what they knew. On top of this, on top of this, and it falls underneath of this, what else is, you know, our mission statement is to make disciples. But falling in a subcategory underneath this, I think that we're also called as a church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We're called to equip the body, to equip the people to fulfill the calling in your life. You see, God didn't create us just so that we could all sit in church on Sunday morning and get together and have a meal once in a while. And and there's more to it than that. Each of us has a calling on our life. You get to watch my calling on Sunday mornings, but I might not get to see your calling. Your calling might might be to be a mom. Or a, stay at, or a homeschool mom. Or maybe your calling's to be you know, a plumber. Or, or whatever it might be. Whatever your calling is. That we need to see it as what God's put on our heart. Your calling might be to take care of somebody that's sick. You might have a family relative. You might maybe a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter. That might be your calling in life. Maybe God said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I've made you for. It's what I've created you for. And we have to fulfill that calling. So as a church, we are called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I just want to read you that from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, 11. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, or that means mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love you see that's what the church is called to do make disciples and then grow the disciples up into mature believers so they can participate in the body of christ and do their portion that's 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 when we so when we say we make disciples it's not just evangelism it's growing people up in christ we use you know we use the radio station to do that if you're having trouble, maybe you can't make it on a Sunday morning or a Thursday night or, or whatever, tune into the radio station. Listen to Bible teaching throughout the week. You will find yourself growing spiritually. It, it's going to happen. It just, it just happens. Now, here's the amazing thing. When Jesus tells the apostles this, they're trying. They, I don't have it. They, they didn't even know what was going on. They're still confused about the death and the resurrection. They're still trying to figure all this out. How does all this work? And then what does he tell them in the beginning of Acts? Go on to Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. They weren't able to accomplish this in their own strength. It wasn't until Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's when they began to speak in tongues. That's when Peter stands up and gives this unbelievable message, an incredible message. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up and he gives this unbelievable message. It begins in in Acts uh, chapter 2 and it goes all the way down through about verse 41. 
Uh, I would encourage you, if you've never read it, to go back and read it. He's basically sharing all about the Messiah and what's taken place and calling people unto repentance. And verse, we're going to pick up in verse 40. He says this, with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this, from this perverse generation. That'd be true from us today, wouldn't it? Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. That's what they were told to do. Go baptized. And that that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. What a service. 3,000 people got saved that day. But notice what it says in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and prayers. This is what our church is modeled after. These are the things that we do. These are the categories that we look back at the early church. And it doesn't take long in the book of Acts before we find out, you know what, they're not perfect. But it says here they continued steadfastly in these things. They continued steadfastly. And that means to continue to do something with intense effort. That means that's the focus that I'm, I'm putting forth effort with the possible implication despite difficulty. I'm going to continue this. My efforts are going to this. I'm going to devote myself to it. I'm going to keep on. I'm going to persist. That's what steadfastly means. So they did steadfast. They continued these four things steadfastly. Intense effort to persist. And number one, what does it say? The apostles' doctrine. Doctrine, the word means teaching. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. They relied on the apostles to tell them who Jesus was and what he had done. You see, the apostles had spent time with the Lord. They needed people that were coming to Christ. They were believers, but they hadn't spent the time with the Lord yet. They relied on the teaching of the apostles. It's no mistake that this doctrine, this teaching is first in their list. I don't believe it's a mistake at all. I don't believe there's any mistakes in the scripture when it comes to things like this. And, he, and, and what, Paul, or what, what, Paul, or what Luke's saying here in the book of Acts, through, through Paul probably, is teaching is important in a church. Teaching is important. It's the word of God that has to be taught. Now, I found in my own life that teaching, when I first heard somebody teach the word of God chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it completely changed my life. I'd, I'd gone from church to church and place to place, and, 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 and I'd gone all these different places looking for, uh, looking for something, looking for God, looking for religion, looking for, I knew there was something missing, and I could never find it, but when I, when I sat underneath of a pastor who taught the, chap, the, the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, he told me what the Bible said, he told me what it meant, he told me how to apply it to my life, and he told me what to do with it, it changed my life unbelievably. All of a sudden, I was faced with a decision, do I obey? Or do I disobey? Oh, I could not go back to church, but there was something that kept drawing me back. I wanted to hear more. What is this? What, I, what is it? And as I worked through it, I began to change. One little piece here, one little piece there. I began to forgive. I began to, you know, all of a sudden, the, to, my, my life of sin was no fun anymore. I began to feel guilty because the, it, it began one thing after another, and it began this slow, steady change that continues today. As I, as I read the word today, I'm still challenged by it every single day. And it's not because a pastor's telling me, it's because God's word is telling me. And it forces me to look at it and go, wow, I don't really like that. I don't really want to do that. But I want to honor my God. And I want to live for him. So I have to do that. And it forces you to that place. So here's what I'm saying. The teaching of God's word was an important part of the early church. And that's why it's such an important part of our church. That's why you'll hear me, you know, I won't teach a Mother's Day message. 
I won't teach a 4th of July message. I won't teach all of the holiday message. I'm not really teaching, you know, a New Year's resolution type message this morning. I'm not, I, I don't get into that because that takes away from God's word. But what I am teaching is how our church operates and why we're doing what we're doing. What's important there? You see, I, I, wrote, I read this once and I wrote it down. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to a person who isn't. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to a person who isn't, which means they're in the word, they're reading the word, they're taking the word, they're digesting it, they're meditating on it, they're applying it. The New, the New Testament church, early church, was serious about the teaching of God's word. They were serious about it, and we need to be that way too. If you're wearing your Bible out, if you're wearing it out because you're continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, if I've worn it out because I'm continuing, you will be successful. You will be obedient and you will accomplish what God's laid out for you. It'll absolutely happen. It comes from the teaching of the word. It comes from you continuing steadfastly. That means I stay in the word. Now, if you're anything like me, sometimes you'll do really good at continuing steadfastly. And other times, well, life gets busy. Things creep in. And, you know, and what I found in my life that every time I get away from the word of God, it doesn't take very long before life starts to crumble a little bit, before my attitude changes, before my heart changes, before the things I once found joyful are now kind of a burden. And every time I look back, I go, what am I missing? What, what, what's changed? It's almost always because I've gotten out of my time with the Lord. It's because I've gotten out of my study and I've gotten out of my word. And I'm not talking about preparing for teachings. Because in my life, that's something different. Preparing for teachings is not the same as me studying, me spending time with the Lord one-on-one. -on -one. I have to do that. You need to do that. It's, it's, if, the Bible's fall, if your life's falling apart and your Bible's not, switch it around. Tear up the pages of Scripture. Digest it. Live it. Let it be something that's important to you. So that's, a, that's one thing our church does. We model ourselves after that. We teach. Number two, it says fellowship. The ancient Greek word there, it means koinia. It, says, it is koinia. What it means, it has... The association of the communion, the fellowship, the participation. It means to share in something with one another. It's not just standing up and say hello to the person next to you on a Sunday morning. That's not fellowship. That's not just, you know, just say hi to somebody in church or, or just being in church. That's, that's not what fellowship's talking about here. It's a sharing in something. It's sharing in somebody else's life. It's you getting to know the person that's sitting next to you and, and you ministering to them. And maybe you can help them in their life and then they can come alongside and help you in your life. It's, it's, it's called koinia is the Greek word. It's a really cool word. It's this, it's this picture of one person coming alongside of another and they're sharing in something. And that's what our church needs to be. We can promote that by having our pancake breakfast and by doing things and through youth group and, and all the different ventures and things that we can do. But the fellowship, it comes from your heart when you say, I need to fellowship. I need that. I, I'm the one that needs that. I, I need to do that. You know, it's not just, hi, how are you doing today? It's getting together with another couple and saying, hey, let's go have dinner. You want to get together for dinner? Or let me invite you over, over to the house. Share a meal with somebody and your relationship changes immediately. You notice that? If you, if, you, if you want a friend, if you go, well, I really don't know anybody, have, offer to go out to dinner with them. Have them over to the house. Share some food with them. And it'll, change your, it'll change your relationship. Because all of a sudden, you've connected. Over dinner, you're going to talk. And then whatever, the, whatever the conversation, let the Lord lead it. Whatever happens, you're going to begin to fellowship, and you're going to build a, a, a closer bond and a tighter bond. And then you come to church the next week, and hey, we had dinner together. And all of a sudden, it's not just a, hi, how are you? It's, hey, that thing you were talking about last Saturday night, how, how's that going? Oh, let me tell you what God did. Oh, let me tell you what happened. Oh, or, or, or you know what? It's, it's not going good. I really need your prayers. Can you guys pray for us? 
You see how it works? It's not just coming to church and saying hi. It's, it's investing in somebody else's life. So be careful to do that. Be sure to do that. Then he says breaking of bread. Let's talk about the Lord's Supper or communion. Jesus told us to do that in remembrance of him. And we do that. We take it once a month here as, as our church. But then he says, he says prayer. He says prayer. And don't let, oh, oh, let me just back up to communion. Don't let communion be the only time you commune with the Lord. That might be, that, that's a great place to commune with him. It's a great place to remember what he's done and to praise him for it. But don't let that be the only time you're communing with him. You know, commune with him often. And then he says prayer. Prayer. It's our direct personal communication with God. It's our direct connection with him. Do you realize that you have a direct line? You can pick up the phone and call the creator of the universe and talk to him. Rob, it doesn't work that way. Yes, it does. It's, it's that simple. We get together on Sunday nights to pray. Sunday nights, we pray for 45 minutes. You guys are all invited. You know, the strength of a church lies in the people praying for the church, not the number of people that come on Sunday morning. The success of a church lies in, in what's happening in the people's lives and how many people are at the prayer group. That's where the church is built. That's where, the, that's where, it, that's where it's grown. That's where, that's where the leaders are brought up. That's where, that's where it happens. That's where if you're struggling with something, if your marriage is rough, you're having problems with your kids, be there on Sunday night and pray. No one's going to make you pray out loud. You're not going to hear anybody else pray out loud. Maybe occasionally I do or, or maybe somebody towards the end. But usually it's you. It's time for you and the Lord to pray alone. It's time for you. And, and it's an amazing thing to see, you know, our group. There's about 15 or 16 of us that gather pretty regularly. And they get on their knees and they pray. And for 45 minutes, you, I, I peek sometimes. Don't tell them, though. I'll open my eyes just to make sure everybody's okay. And I'll look around and I'll see husbands and wives praying together. And I'll see guys by themselves on their knees praying. Ladies on their face praying. It's just, it's a wonderful time. If, if, that's, if that's not you, and you don't have to come here to pray. It's not the only place to do it. And I'm not here to promote a prayer meeting. I'm here to promote Christ. And I'm here to promote a deeper relationship with him and a walk with him. And if you want to see your walk go deeper and you want to see it change, come spend time with him in prayer. There's just something special about Sunday night prayer. We've watched prayers get answered. We've watched things, amazing things happen. I got to share something with you. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Maybe three weeks, two or three weeks ago, I shared at a Sunday night prayer group. And uh, the prayer was, we were having some icing problems with our radio antenna. We were having some issues going on with the radio antenna. And uh, we were off the air for a little while. Happened a couple times last year. We're trying to figure out how we're going to do it. Uh, so we looked at, I, I, I took the steps to look into getting a, a new antenna that would have a, an ice shield on it. And in doing so, it would also increase our power, increase our coverage area a little bit. And I shared with the uh, prayer group, I said, listen, I need you guys to do me a favor. I said, we've got this opportunity in front of us. I said, we, financially, we're good. We can afford this. It's not, it's not a matter of, you know, do we have the money or don't we have the money? But what I really need to know is, does the Lord want us to do this or not do this? And it would seem like a no-brainer. Wait a minute, Rob, you have the money to increase the signal of the radio and, and you can do that? Well, yeah, yeah, we could. It wasn't a money thing. It was a, it was a Lord, I need to know what you want to do in this situation. You know, it's, it's not, the Lord doesn't always take the obvious path. You know, the Lord might say, no, I don't want you to do that. Or he might say, yes, I want you to. So I asked the prayer group about three weeks ago. I said, will you guys pray the Lord would show me what his will is, what his desire is? Because I don't want to just take this step. Like I said, I, I take seriously God's money. I don't want to just spend it to spend it because it's, it's there. Maybe God wants to do something else with it. I said, will you guys just pray so the Lord would lead us in this direction? And uh, this past week, somebody here in the fellowship called me up out of the blue, and uh, we were talking, and uh, they said to me, 
you know, I, I heard there's a, there's a possibility for the radio expansion and things like that. I said, yeah, there is. And they said, I'd like to pay for that. I'd like to cover that expense. And uh, it, was, it, it, it was just, it was, the Lord just showed me, I want to do this. Where God guides, God provides. I had, the, I'm thinking the money over here in the bank account is we can use for that. And God says, no, no, I've got another plan for this. I'm going to do it a different way. And, I, and while I'm seeking, trying to figure out, God, is this something you want to do? He says, yeah, I, I want to do it. And I'll, I'll give you your confirmation. That was three weeks ago we started praying for that. Now, it took about three weeks to get that answer. Sometimes he doesn't answer right away. But he answers, and he's using people to do that. And he showed me. Could, you know, I, I could have just said, you know what, we're going to make this decision, we're going to do it, and onward and upward, and it would have been fine. Could have called the board, got them together, and said, we're doing this. And you know, they, they could have said yes or no, and we could have talked about it and figured it out. But we waited on the Lord. And in doing that, we got the confirmation we needed, but we also got to watch somebody else get a blessing because they said, I want to be a part of that. I want to help that. I want to take care of that. And I, can, and I won't share the amounts with you, uh, but it's not, it's not an inexpensive venture. It's a rather expensive venture. Uh, so it's not something, you know, it's not a few hundred dollars. It's several thousand dollars, uh, the type of expense that it's going to incur. So, uh, and, and they, don't wanna, they don't want me to tell anybody who they are. So it's, a, it's a, only I know and only I will remain to know. So that, that's the way they wanted to keep it that way because they didn't want any recognition. Because they're giving to the Lord, they're not giving to gain status so people would give them recognition. Isn't that a great heart? It's not just to gain, to gain recognition. So that's prayer. Sunday night's prayer, 7 o'clock. You guys are all welcome. Now, I want to add, oh, oh we got a few more minutes. I want to answer a few other questions that kind of get asked to me on a regular basis. Uh, people always seem to, you know, when people come and go, people come to the church, they always ask me the question, why don't you take an offering? Why don't you guys pass the plate or pass the bag? Or why don't you, why don't you pass the offering plate? You know, and, and I want to say before I answer this, there's nothing wrong with taking an offering. There's nothing unbiblical about passing an offering plate or passing that around or anything like that. But when I was searching, when I was going from church to church, I was turned off by the, I was turned off by the amount of emphasis that was placed on money, on, on finances. I was turned off by the, 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 boards that tell you how much the offerings were last month. I was turned off by, you know, passing the plate twice. I was turned, oh, that's not enough. Pass it one more time. You know, I was turned off by all that. And I always, you know, or, or the pastor would get up there and say, there, and I can remember, I was about a, I think I was about a 14-year-old kid, and I was going to a church, and, and the pastor was getting up there saying the roof was going to cave in. And if we didn't, if we didn't support the church, and the, they, we didn't, they didn't have the money for the roof, and they didn't have all this stuff, and I'm a 14-year-old kid, and I don't even know if I would save them, but I kept thinking, well, what's wrong with your God? I thought God, owned, I thought God had all that he needed. How come, how come you're begging the people for money? You know, and of course, I gave him money out of my 14-year-old wallet. I worked as a dishwasher at a Chinese restaurant. And I, and I put money into the offering plate. But it wasn't for the right reasons. It was because I was, I was forced into feeling guilty about it. So here's what we've done here is We've put the offering box in the back. And we say, your giving is between you and the Lord. We'll teach on tithing and offering and, you know, giving with a cheerful heart and, and all that stuff as we come across it in Scripture. When we come across it, I'm going to teach on it, just like I would any other subject in Scripture. But what you're not going to hear is every week me come and give you a financial update on what's going on in the church. Now, I will tell you, you might be thinking, wait a minute, you're having a financial meeting at the end of the year, and now you're talking about offering. Is there something going on? I will tell you our church is incredibly blessed financially. We are not wanting for anything. God is providing everything that we need, even things. Over the past year, we've saved money, as a matter of fact. 
We're sa- we don't know what the Lord's going to do with it. We're saving it. But it's not because, it's because you guys have given to the Lord, not because you've given to me. And I haven't had to ask for any of it. If there's something we need, like a radio antenna, we pray. We say, Lord, if this is your will, you provide. And I'm amazed. I, I, and the other thing about offering is I want you to know, I don't know who gives what. I don't see the offering. I, occasionally, if, if uh, uh, somebody's not here to help uh, one, of the, one of the guys or the ladies that count the money, occasionally I'll go and just verify the cash amount. But when it comes to the checks, I don't see who gives what. I don't know any, I don't know any of you guys if you put anything in there or not. And here's what I've come to learn. If I did know, well, I'd be, I'm human. If there was one person giving a little bit more, I'd want to tend to hang out with them a little bit more. I'd want to, you know, appreciate them and thank them. And, you know, hey, and, and you know, when a rate thing like a radio antenna comes up, I'd be like, hey, how, you know, we got this radio thing. Are you interested? You know, I, I, that's the human nature, you know, of, of, these, of these kinds of things. But what I've learned is it's better off for me to not know. Because someone who gives very little, like the widows might, may be giving all that they have. And someone who gives a lot, it might be nothing to them. And I might look at the number that's a lot, and I might think, wow, that's a lot of money, and it might not be at all. Not to that person, but it might be the person who puts $5 in the box that says, I'm not sure how I'm going to eat this afternoon, but I'm going to give to the Lord. And I would look at that and go, ah, it's only 5 bucks," And oh, I could mess that up real quick. So I've left it between you and the Lord, and I will tell you that he has been He's blessed us tremendously financially. We're doing fine financially. There's, we're, no, we're no danger of closing up. Like I said, we're actually saving money. And it is such a blessing for me to watch you guys respond to what the Lord's called you to do. So thank you for that. So that's why we don't take an offering. I don't want to get in the middle of it. And I don't want anybody to give. The Lord, Bible says we're supposed to be cheerful givers, not people who give out of guilt or out of, uh, because I made you feel guilty of something. Quite honestly, if the church can't support itself, it should probably close. If God's not providing for the work, it might be time to stop the work. You know, maybe, it, maybe that's the case. I, don't, I think the last thing I would want to do is keep a church open or a work open or a ministry open that God doesn't really want open. You know, it's like, why would we want to prop that thing up to keep it going? Maybe it's time to close if God's not providing. I'm a firm believer in where God guides, God will provide. Now, that's not in the Bible, but it should be in Proverbs if I, th- if I was to write it. I'd make it Proverbs 32. Another question I've got recently, uh, hey, we're growing, there, you know, the churches are not, not so much, there's plenty of seats this morning, but in, in weeks past, there's not been very many seats. Are you planning on a new building? Are you planning on moving? Are you planning on, you know, what's, what's the next step? Uh, no, we're not really planning on a new building. We're not really planning on moving. We're, we're, we're just planning on staying faithful. We're just planning on continuing what God has called us to do, which is teach the word of God. Well, Rob, does that mean you're not ever going to get a new building? I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't want to, if I was to try to figure that out, that would drive me nuts. I would look at, you know how much time I would waste looking at buildings and spaces and I I can't worry about that. What about two services? Should we go, look, we're going to keep following God exactly the way God, exactly the way we are. And we're not going to deviate until the Lord puts on my heart to say, all right, it's time to do something. And until that happens, we're going to keep right on being faithful in what he's called us to do. There's no, there's no building fund campaign coming. It's not happening. You know, if God wants to provide that for us, he'll provide it for us one way or another. We don't have to, you know, worry ourselves about it and figure, worry about things that, that aren't even, aren't even in, in place. The Lord is aware of what he's doing here at the church. He's perfectly aware of what's going on at Calvary Chapel Cumberland. When and if the time comes for change, he'll let us know and we'll be able to move forward with it. In the meantime, we are going to stay faithful. We're going to continue steadfastly. 
in the, in the where he's called us to be. I've watched lots of churches grow into new buildings and it brings more problems with them. It brings financial problems. It brings this and it brings that. If the Lord does that, we'll do it. Until the Lord does it, we're staying right here and we're going to keep doing what we're doing week by week, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and nothing's going to change. There's nothing, there's no big building fund coming for 2017. So, any questions on that, by the way? No? All right, what time is it? Love. All right, do one more. I get one more in. Uh, people always ask, or, or sometimes they ask, when they get the guts to or the nerve to, they'll say, hey, how, how do you run the church? How's the, what's the church government like? What, what, who makes decisions? What, how, how does all that work? Well, we have a pastor, which that's me, and we have a board of directors, okay, a board of directors. In many churches, the board of directors is the kind of the oversight for the pastor. The, the, the board of directors would kind of be considered the the steering committee for the church, if you will. They, they can hire the pastor. They can fire the pastor. They can, they can kind of decide what the pastor's going to do, what he's going to teach on, what he's not going to teach on, what kind of which direction that he's going to go. Uh, it, it's not that way in, in our church. As the pastor, uh, I see that as my responsibility. The Lord called me and my family from Florida to Cumberland to plant a church. It's my responsibility to lead the church. But I also understand that that's a lot of... That's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, power that could be misused very easily. So the board of directors comes in and their, their job or their responsibility is to hold me accountable. They're to make sure that the financial situation of the church is where it needs to be. They're, need, they're to make sure that I'm not spending money on things that we don't need or they're to make sure that I'm not spending uh, money on, on frivolous things or wasteful things or, you know, I can't spend, there's, there's a limit of what I can spend before I have to get approval for the board of directors on something. You know, when it comes to our radio antenna, I can't just say, all right, we're gonna buy a radio antenna. I've got to go to the board and say, hey, listen, this is what I think, guys. This is, this is what we're doing. This is what we're up against. This is what I think the Lord's doing. You know, pray about it, and, and we'll have a meeting, and we'll talk about it. So I, I can't do those things. So they're there to hold me accountable financially, but they're also there to hold me accountable, accountable biblically. I mean, what if I was to go nuts? What if I was to all of a sudden change what I was doing and start teaching different kinds of doctrine and all kinds of crazy things? Well, they do have the power to remove me. They, they would probably come to me first and they would talk about it and get it straightened out. But if it came down to it, they could say, you know what, you're, you're not, this is not who, this is not our church. You, you know, you can't stay here. But that wouldn't be exercised very easily. In other words, what I'm saying is you don't have to worry about coming in one Sunday and me resigning and me not being here. I, I, this is my calling. This is my ministry. You know, it's not, it's not going to just go away until either I, I go to be with the Lord or until the Lord somehow calls me somewhere else. But this is what he's put on my heart and my family's heart. We're not leaving. We're, we might visit Florida in January, or my wife is anyways, but I'm not going back to Florida. This is where the Lord's called me, and this is where he's doing a work. And I get to be blessed to watch the work that he's doing. So we have this board of directors in place, and I'll give you like the radio station. When it came to, came to buy the radio station, when, how does that work? Well, here's the way it works. I go to the board of directors and I present to them what I think that the, where, where I think the Lord is leading me. And I have to explain to them why I think the Lord's leading me this direction. I don't just, you know, well, God told me. It doesn't really work that way. There has to be, there has to be something more to it than that. And as I laid it out for them, I shared with them what I thought the Lord wanted to do and, and the steps that had fallen into place, the things that had happened. And they have to look at me and decide, all right, Rob. Do we, are we behind this? Is this something that we think, yes, the Lord is leading you? Or is it something that we think, you know, I, I'm not so sure about that. It's quite a financial risk for the church. And, you know, I, I don't know. And, and when we bought the radio station, it was a financial risk for us. It was a big financial risk. 
As a matter of fact, we were advised by some people not to buy it because our church was too small. We wouldn't be able to support it, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be able to make it. You know, it, wouldn't, it, it, would, it, would, it would tear apart the church. It would break down the church, and, and it, would, it, would cause, it could cause the church to fall apart. Well, that certainly hasn't been the case. It's been just the opposite. But what we did is, as a board, we got together and we prayed. We said, Lord, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to, do you want us to move forward? We don't care what, what, our, what mankind says. Lord, where do you want us to fall in this? And unanimously, we all agreed to move forward with, the, with moving forward on the radio station. And I'm glad that we did. But that was brought to the board by me. So I was kind of the one leading the board. Now, who's on the board? Who, who, who are these people that are on the board? There's two local board members. It's, it's Jason Wilson. Where's Jason? There's Jason. There's Jason. And, uh, and Gary Harriger. Gary's not here. He's visiting with his uh, family down in Texas. Gary. There's also Pastor Sean Frazier from Calvary Chapel Morgantown is on our board. And there's two very, very good friends of mine. Uh, Rick Roof. He's the Dean of Students out at San Diego Christian University, or San Diego Christian College out in San Diego, California. And Steve Dunkel, who's another very good friend of mine who's a businessman and an entrepreneur that is involved in several businesses. Um, and those guys are the guys that hold me accountable. Those guys are the ones that look at me and say, are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? Is, are, are things happening the way they're supposed to be happening? You know, the board is not responsible for the ministry side of the church. The board isn't what tells the ministry, you know, that tells children's ministry how to run or tells the His Hands ministry how to run. The board is responsible for the financial and the operational side of the church. And that's, that's kind of in a nutshell how we're set up as, as Calvary Chapel. And, and I wanted to take some time this morning to kind of share that with you because I think it's important that we understand why we're doing what we're doing. Our mission, our goal is to make disciples. How do we do that? And to, and to uh, make disciples and to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. On top of that, how do we do that? We continue steadfastly in those four areas that the early church continued in. The apostles' doctrine, the teaching of God's word, fellowship, the breaking of bread, communion, and in prayer. If we can maintain that course, if we can continue in that direction, as a church or as an individual, if you will do those things, if you will do them as a, as a church, as an organization, or as an individual, God's going to bless us. God's going to add to us because I want to share something with you. I'm not on a mission to build a church. I'm not here to see how big I can build a church. I don't really care if our church grows or shrinks. My biggest concern is am I being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ every time I get up here? If the church grows, praise the Lord. If the church shrinks, that's okay too. We'll praise the Lord in that too. We're going to praise him either way. Because at the very end of Acts chapter 2, at the end of verse 47, it says this. I want to show you the secret for church growth. This is it. It's not a church growth plan. It's not going door knocking. It's this, the end of verse 47. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to the church. The Lord did the work. The Lord brought the people to the church. It wasn't the church doing a mailing campaign. It wasn't the church doing an advertising campaign. It wasn't the church getting out. And do, the, the Lord brought the people to the church. You'll bring people to the church when you're being blessed by the Lord and by the word of God at the church. Chuck Smith said it best. He said, healthy sheep reproduce healthy sheep. And he said it should be every pastor's goal to produce the healthiest, well-fed sheep in their town. Produce the healthiest, well-fed sheep. It's my goal that here at Calvary Chapel Cumberland, that you guys have the, that you become the best fed people when it comes to the word of God than any other church. I want you to be full spiritually when you come out of here. 
I want you to be challenged. I want you to be, I want you to be moved. I want you to have spent time in worship. I want you to be the best fed sheep, and I don't have to worry about the rest. That's my job. That's my goal is to make sure you guys are getting fed the word of God. I can't live it for you. I can tell you what it says. I can tell you what it means. I can tell you how to apply it to your life. But you're the one that's have to live it. You're the ones that have to say, I'm going to live what that's doing. I'm going to live what that Bible says and what that word says. And when you do that, when you make that decision, your life will be forever changed. All right, that's good for this morning. I had one more, but we'll, let's stop there. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Lord, it's New Year's. It's that time of year where we retool, rethink, go over what we've been doing, how we've been doing it. Lord, as we took some time this morning to define and explain as a church who we are and why we do what we do, may we take our, do that same thing in our own life. May we take those truths of your word and apply them to our life. Lord, are we being the people that you've called us to be? Are we fulfilling the ministry that you've called us to? Are we being the moms and dads and employees and employers, co-workers, Are we being those people that you've called us to be? Are we taking your word to heart? Are we making disciples? Are we going, baptizing, teaching? What as we evaluate these things in our life and as as an organization, as a church, may you reveal to us those areas that need to be changed. And Lord, I am personally thankful for the work that you're doing in this fellowship. I'm personally thankful and I love watching you work in the people's lives and what a blessing it is to get letters and phone calls and emails about the radio station and what just what it means to people. But I I say thank you that you've given us, you've given Calvary Chapel Cumberland that ministry. That's our outreach. Lord, as we equip the saints for the work of the ministry, may you continue to bless that. May our heart always remain true and set on you. May our focus never be to worship what God is doing. May we always worship the God who's doing it. Lord, may you get all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.